following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. We're starting a new series this morning. It's called Stories Jesus Told. And uh, we are going to be looking over the next four weeks at some of the parables, some of the stories that Jesus told. We call them parables. Uh, these are stories that Jesus told wherever he went and uh, almost everyone that he talked to, whether he was talking to a big group of people, a big crowd of people, or a smaller group like his disciples, he used these stories, these parables, as he taught. Uh, and these are stories that lead us into some of the deeper truths of the kingdom, but they're stories, they're stories really about everyday life and the stuff of life. And so he drew from just ordinary things that people were used to in first century Palestine. Uh, so you read parables about sheep and shepherds and farmers and servants and kings and families and sons and weddings and fishing and feasting and just all kinds of things that would have been just stock standard stuff if you were living in Israel in the first century. So if Jesus was here today, uh, what would he have told parables about? Might have told the parable of the unwise Facebook user or the parable of the four flat whites or something, I don't know. It would, it would have been stuff that we could relate to, things that we could connect with. And he used these things that were just part of everyday life, part of everyone's experience. They could immediately connect with what he was saying. But of course, the parables of Jesus have a much deeper significance. They're not just good stories. Uh, let me ask you this. How, how many people have seen the movie The NeverEnding Story? Yeah. Some children of the 80s, maybe, <laughs> like me. Childhood movie, great 80s movie, great 80s soundtrack, right? And so the never-ending story, this might give you a way of thinking about the parables. If it's helpful, keep it. If it's not, throw it out. That's fine. But uh, the never-ending story, so it's a movie about this young boy, Bastian, and he is reading a book called The Never-Ending Story, and it's a book about this fantasy land called Fantasia. But as he gets towards the end of the story, he realizes, starts to realize, that this story is actually about him, that he is drawn into the story. He's a character in the story. It's not just something he's reading. But he is transported to Fantasia and he becomes part of this world that he's reading about. He becomes a character in the unfolding drama of the never-ending story. And then right at the end of the movie, Bastian is transported back into the real world, back into life, but he brings elements of Fantasia with him. And so now he's living in this kind of overlapping space between the real world and Fantasia. It's both at the same time. Now that is maybe a way of thinking about the parables as we go through this series that might just help you understand and interpret them. At one level, reading these parables, and we'll read one in a minute, is it, it's like reading a good story. It is reading a good story, and it gives you some insight as to what life was like in the first century Palestine. But as you read these stories, the effect that they should have on you, the effect that Jesus wanted them to have on us, is a bit like the never-ending story that we realize we are drawn into the world that Jesus is describing here. There is more going on than just shepherds and sheep and seed being sown on the ground and so on. Jesus is describing this world that he called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God which is a mysterious world and a strange world and a hard world to understand, which is why he wrapped it up in parables. But this is what he's drawing us into. And as we understand these parables, we are transported into this world called the kingdom of heaven. And we begin to understand it and we begin to see how it works and how it operates. And then what should happen at the end of the parables is that we're brought back into our everyday lives 
but we bring the kingdom of heaven with us. We bring this kingdom perspective with us and we can start to see our ordinary lives afresh through the lens of the kingdom of heaven. And so we live like Bastion in this overlapping space. Our world here, what we can see and touch and feel, but also the kingdom of heaven, which is already here and is all around us. So maybe that's a way as we go through this journey of just thinking about the parables and going on a bit of that journey, letting the parables lead us as we follow that path. So we're going to look together in these four weeks at a cluster of parables just in one chapter of the Bible. We're in Matthew 13. This is the heaviest concentration of parables in the Bible. There's about eight parables in this one chapter, all in the one chapter. And we're going to work through, sometimes we'll do them in groups, sometimes like today we'll just take one and we're going to start with the one at the beginning of the chapter because it's really the easiest one and because we have the bonus of Jesus telling us what it means. He actually gives us the interpretation, the explanation of the parable, so it's really hard to go wrong with this one, which is good. So I'm going to read it in two sections and just follow me with the verses. We'll start in verse 1 of Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then down to verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 100, 30, 60, or 30 times what was sown. So we've got Jesus here teaching a crowd of people. He's sitting in a boat just out from the shore of Galilee, and you've got this big crowd that's gathered on the, on the lake front there listening to Jesus. And if you were in the crowd... That day, if you picture yourself there watching Jesus, you might also be able to look around at all these fields and hills along the shore of Galilee, along the lakeside there. And you'd probably see some of the kind of farmland that Jesus is describing. Some of the kind of land that was being farmed with these sorts of crops. You might even look up and see a servant or two, a farmer or two, scattering seed in the way that Jesus is describing, because this was such ordinary life. We're not quite used to this stuff in our urban context here in Auckland, but this was just a very agrarian society, a very rural society. Everybody knew farmers, or they were a farmer. This was just ordinary stuff. And this was the way in which farmers would sow seeds to try and produce a crop, just walking up and down the fields, line by line, just scattering the seed as they went. So this is normal stuff, ordinary life for Jesus' hearers. 
And as Jesus explains the parable, what we learn is that the seed that the farmer is sowing here represents Jesus' message about the kingdom of heaven. So this represents the proclamation that Jesus is making about the kingdom, which makes Jesus the farmer. Jesus is the farmer. He's sowing the seed as he's teaching. And so the very act of Jesus teaching this parable, talking to the crowds about the kingdom of heaven, was an act of Jesus sowing seed. He's doing what he's describing in real time. So he's sowing the seed. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And then these different types of soil, these different types of ground, represent the different responses that people had and still have to the kingdom of heaven. The real point of the, of the parable, the real focus is on the ground, not the seed. It's called the parable of the sower. So we put our attention on the sower and the seed, but really it should be called the parable of the soils because the focus is on these four different types of soils. And of course, the big question is, what kind of soil are we? So I want to just walk through this pretty simple, just walk through these four kinds of ground, these four kinds of soil with you, uh, try and unpack what kinds of people Jesus is describing here, and try and locate these people, these categories of people, if you like, both in Jesus' ministry in the first century and in our contemporary lives today. So first kind of soil that Jesus talks about, he says the farmers are scattering the seed and some of the seed falls upon the path. Some seed just falls on the path, and, and, and that comes to nothing. The birds just come down and snatch it away. Now, these paths, this is not, don't think of a gravel path or a concrete path. This would have just been a, a, a soil path, but beaten dirt, just a beaten track that people used to get between fields and access different farms and so on. There would have been animals going over these things, people walking over these things. It was just hard, packed ground. And invariably, as the farmer's sowing some seed, some of the soil lands on the path, just goes on the path. And that seed never really takes root. The ground's just too hard. It's too compact. The seed just doesn't go into the soil. And Jesus says that is like people who hear the word, hear the message, but do not understand it. Now, he's not saying that this just applies to people who don't mentally understand what's going on. That word understand has a deeper meaning. You look at the quotation he gives from Isaiah there. The, the idea of understanding is that we understand with our hearts. This is a deep level of understanding. This is about people who do or don't receive at a deep level what Jesus is saying. This is about people who reject the message and never really let it take root in their lives at all. So you could think in this category of people like the Pharisees. That would be an obvious example. Jesus has just been talking to the Pharisees, the chapter before this one. He's called them a wicked and adulterous generation. He's got some pretty harsh words reserved for the Pharisees because these were people, they were supposed to be the spiritual leaders of Israel, but they rejected Jesus. They refused to believe that he was the Son of God. They refused to believe that he was Israel's Messiah, except one or two of them, like Nicodemus. But by and large, as a group, they rejected Jesus. These are the, this is the, so, the seed that falls on the path. This is the seed that never gets into the ground. People that never really open their hearts up to Jesus. And since the Pharisees, down through the centuries, this has represented people who, for whatever reason, in whatever way, never really let the seed of the gospel into their hearts. It's not just people who are hostile to the Christian faith. This is not just people who are antagonistic. It's not just militant atheists. It's not just people that try and have a go at you because you're Christians. These are people who simply don't allow the seed of the gospel to get in deeply. They may be very positive towards Christians 
in Christianity. You might be in this category today. You might be here today. You might have gone to church all your life. You might have gone to Sunday school. You might have been christened. You might have been confirmed. You might have been baptized. You might give to the church. You might serve in the church. You might pray. You might believe. You might believe all the teachings of the Bible. You might believe all the truths of the Christian faith. You might be a believer in that sense. But you may still be the hard path. Because just believing is not enough. Believers are not believers, in a sense. It's not about believing. It's about receiving. You might honestly believe Jesus is the Son of God. You might believe he died for my sins. You might believe he's been raised from the dead on the third day. You can believe all of that and you can still be the hard path because your heart is not open to Jesus. Maybe you realize, maybe for the first time today you realize that's you. You thought it was okay just to believe stuff. The Bible says you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. So just believing stuff is not enough. It's about receiving Jesus deeply into our heart and allowing him to be the defining reality in our lives. You may have never made that commitment at a heart level. Might have believed all the right things, done all the right things, be a very moral person. But you've never allowed the seed of the good news to really deeply take root in your heart. And the good news of this parable is that you can change. This is where it doesn't work horticulturally, but it does work spiritually, that you can decide to be a different kind of soil. You can shift. You get to choose. And if you are the hard path, you can decide today to become the good soil that allows that seed to take root. We'll come back to that. All right, so the second type of seed then is the seed that falls upon the rocky ground, the rocky soil. And here, don't think about soil that's already covered in rocks. Think about soil that just looks like good soil, but underneath is a layer of rock that can't be seen. So you sow the seed on this ground, and it, because it's shallow soil, the seed actually takes root quite quickly because the soil that is there warms up quite quickly, and so the seed buds, and it looks good for a while. But because the root system can't get down, it can't get down below the rock, below the limestone or whatever it is that's just underneath the surface there. When summer rolls around and that sun starts beating, that hot Palestinian sun, I've been in those temperatures, 40 degrees, just dry heat, beating down on these poor little plants, they don't have the root system. They can't suck up the nutrients. They can't suck up the nourishment from the ground, from the soil that they need to survive. And the sun just beats upon them, scorches them, they wither, they shrivel. And you could think in this category, maybe, of the crowds that Jesus is speaking to. The crowd was a lot like this. The crowd was shallow. A lot of the people Jesus was telling the story to were like the rocky ground, like the shallow Soil, the crowd, they, they loved Jesus while he was the flavor of the month. They loved Jesus while he was saying the right thing. Jesus gathered a massive crowd around himself, thousands of people. I mean, while he's feeding the 5,000, people love him. But then he starts talking about the way of the cross. Then he starts talking about the cost of discipleship, and the crowd just dissipate. They just disappear because they're fickle and they're shallow. Now, some people argue that this kind of soil 
represents people who were never Christians. They, they never really made a genuine commitment. But I don't think that can be the case because if you look carefully at how Jesus describes these people in his explanation, just look at verse 20. He says, The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. So they've received it. This is not like the hard path where the seed never goes into the soil at all. These are people who have received it. They've made a commitment. These are genuine Christians. They receive it. And for a while, their growth, they're enthusiastic. They spring up with joy. They've got a passionate faith. They're following Jesus. They're real Christians. But then something happens. Look at verse 21. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So these are Christians, and this might be you, it might be someone you know, who you're traveling along pretty well in your Christian life, and you've got a real heart for God and a love for Him, and you're growing, and then something happens in your life. You hit some really difficult times. You hit a major health problem, or someone in your family, major health problem, or you hit real financial trouble, very, very tight financially, or your kids make terrible decisions and you're tearing your hair out. Relationships come under real strain. Maybe your marriage is crashing and you just hit the wall. And these kinds of things, they shake us to our core. And maybe you look back, maybe you're in one of those kind of seasons now or you've come through one of those seasons and you look at your faith and you think, man, when I started following God, my faith was so strong. I was so enthusiastic, but now, my faith is just a, sh a shadow of what it was. It's all shriveled up. My faith just withered because the heat's come on you. And Jesus says, what's the problem here? It's about spiritual roots. This is all about spiritual roots. The reason that people's faith withers is because they have no root that is why you can have two Christians that go through very, very challenging circumstances. One of them, their faith just holds together. They seem to be able to cling to God. They even seem to grow spiritually through this. The other person, their faith just shrivels up, withers. They get mad at God, mad at the church, mad at Christians, and they walk away. Why? It's the difference of spiritual roots. That is what this is all about. What we need to do as Christians is push our spiritual roots down deeply into the soil of faith, deep, deep, deep down into the soil, into the streams of God's living water, into the streams of God's grace, so that when the heat comes on you, you can suck up the nourishment from God that you need so that you can be sustained, you can draw the nutrients and the spiritual nourishment that you need so that you don't wither up, so that your faith doesn't dwindle, so that you can continue growing even when that scorching heart sun is beating down on your life. We need deep, deep spiritual roots. Too many of us are still shallow Christians and the rocks in our lives, whatever they are, are preventing us from growing. How do we push down spiritual roots? Very basic things that we talk about all the time. One of them is just having a habit of being in God's Word. <clears throat> That's why we talk about this. That's why we talk about reading the Bible, not so that you're moralistic Christians, not so we can be better than everyone else, so that when the heat comes on, you've got some spiritual roots. 
Having a regular practice of being in God's Word is pushing your roots down. That's where you get nourishment from. That's where you get spiritual nutrients from. That's where God feeds you and speaks to you and nurtures you and matures you as a Christian. We've got to be in the Scriptures. If you haven't got that practice in your life, start it today. Start it today. Whether you're in the middle of a storm or whether that storm may be yet to come in your life, you don't know, just start that practice. Spiritual roots are about prayer. Praying, having time with God, enjoying His presence, being in the conscious presence of God, worshipping Him, praying for ourselves, our families, our friends, our church, our world, developing a vibrant prayer life that is pushing your spiritual roots down. And it's about spiritual community, having brothers and sisters around us that will support us, that will be a wise and mature voice in our life when things get difficult, who will pray for us, and even hold us accountable when the heat comes on. How deep is your faith? How deep are your spiritual roots? What are you willing to do to really push that root system down so that when the day of trouble comes, you can still stand? And after it's passed, you're still standing. You're still growing. The third type of soil is the seed that falls on the thorny ground among the thorns. And again, don't, don't think here about the farmer just coming and chucking a bunch of seed into a thorn bush. That would make no sense. Hey, this, again, this ground looks good. The soil looks good. And the seed that scatters there looks like it might take root. But the problem is, just under the surface, there are these other seeds of thistle bushes, thorn bushes, briar or so on. And as the seed, the good seed, starts sprouting and growing, these other thorny plants start growing up alongside it. And over time, they begin to choke it and throttle it and stunt its growth. They may not stop, stop the plant growing altogether, but they're going to stunt it and they're going to prevent it from really bearing a crop, bearing fruit, whatever it is. Now, you might think in this case of someone like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. He was all enthusiastic about following Jesus, all enthusiastic about eternal life, asked Jesus, what he needs to do to be saved and so on, what he needs to do to inherit eternal life. But one of the challenges Jesus gives him is to give away his wealth, and he can't do it. He goes away disheartened because he can't bring himself to part with his wealth. He's so attached to it. Again, this, this kind of ground, it represents Christians. We're talking about Christians. These are people who have received the gospel, who have received Christ into their life and who are growing. But listen to what Jesus says about them. This is such... I think a description, such an apt description of our faith and our times. He says, verse 22, The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Hard to believe that was written 2,000 years ago, right? I mean, that could have been written yesterday. That just speaks with such potency into our 21st century New Zealand context. The worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. In my experience, I think just about every person who's a genuine Christian honestly wants to grow. We do, right? I mean, Christians, we want to grow. We want to be fruitful. We want to be mature. We want to love God. We want to love other people. Otherwise, we wouldn't bother calling ourselves Christians. I think we have a genuine heart to grow. But what happens so, so often is that life just gets in the way. Stuff just grows up around us and around our faith that chokes us and makes us unfruitful. It's the, it's the busyness of your schedule. 
It's just the relentlessness of running between all these various commitments you've got from one thing to the next. And any time margin in your life is just absolutely squeezed out. It's just the packed schedule. It's the sheer exhaustion of your life. You're just so worn down. You're just so tired. You're just so weird. You don't even have any mental, physical, emotional energy to bring to your faith, to pursue a vibrant relationship with Jesus. You just can't do it because you're being sucked dry, maybe sucked dry by your work, by the demands of your workplace and your career. It's just demanding more and more of you. It's squeezing more and more out of you. It's sucking more and more life out of you. And if you're honest, it's eroding your soul and it's killing your faith. Maybe it's just the preoccupation you have living in Auckland, the reality of life, just trying to figure out what we can do to get ahead, how we can get from renting to buying, how we can get from this house to a bigger house, how we can get from the family home to having the investment property or the, having the second investment property or helping the kids to get into their home or whatever it is. And these are the first things we think about when we get up in the morning. And they are the things that distract us. Nothing wrong with any of this stuff, by the way. Nothing wrong with having money. Nothing wrong with having a home. Nothing wrong with any of this stuff. But these things so quickly and so subtly choke our faith. They throttle our faith. And we find ourselves getting so distracted by all of this stuff and so exhausted by all of these things that the energy and the enthusiasm that we used to have for God for our relationship with Him and for the things that matter to Him, whatever they may be, it just seems so far away now, so, so distant. We don't even have any time to think about that. We're just so busy racing from one thing to the next thing. Our faith is being choked. Our faith is being throttled. And you may not walk away from it all, but it's making you unfruitful. It's holding you back from what God is wanting to do in your life. And this is where we've just got to have a good hard look at our hearts. We've got to have a good hard look at ourselves and ask, what kind of soil do we want to be? Are we going to allow ourselves to keep on growing up among the thorns and allowing these things to stifle and suffocate our spiritual growth? Or are you willing to get serious about weeding the thorns out of your faith? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to honestly ask God, what is that thing? What is the one thing, two things, whatever? What is that thing that right now is the thorn that is just choking your faith? What is it? Is it a time pressure thing? Is it somehow a relationship thing? Is it a misplaced priority? Is it a values thing? What's going on? What is that thorn that is just digging in and it is stopping you grow so that you look back over a year, two years, three years, four years, five years of your life, you can see absolutely no spiritual growth whatsoever. What is that thing? Why is that happening? Are you willing to deal with that? Are you just going to carry on letting life do what it's going to do to you? Or are you willing to take a step? Are you willing to come before God and say, what do I need to do to weed this thought? It might mean some big decisions. It might mean a major schedule adjustment. It might mean a major reprioritizing of your finances. It may mean big decisions in regard to work or whatever it may be. I don't know. But are you willing to at least deal with this head on, face that thorn in your life, and drastically weed out the thorns of your heart? It's the only way that you're going to be able to grow. Finally then, the good soil. 
And by the time we get to this, man, we're ready for it, aren't we? All of this other stuff, we can see our lives so clearly in it, but what we desire, I hope, is this final kind of soil, the good soil. Jesus said the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. That means they receive it deeply. And this is the one who produces a crop, yielding 100, 60, 30 times what was sown. Maybe you could think about the disciples. These are the 12 disciples, probably minus Judas, listening to Jesus give the interpretation of this parable. And these are not super spiritual guys. These are not amazing religious people. These are just very ordinary blokes. These are fishermen. These are government employees. These are just very normal working class people. And they have left everything to follow Jesus because they've heard his call on their life. And in their own simple way. And they, they, they stumble and they mess up hugely. But they follow Jesus and they press into a deeper relationship with him. And they become apprentices of him. And they become fruitful followers of Jesus who bear a crop, who bear a harvest in God's kingdom. This is God's desire for our lives. I think at a deep level, it's our desire for our lives. Most of us, if we're honest. It's just that all this other stuff gets in our way. But God's desire for us is to be fruitful, to bear a harvest in our lives, to bear a harvest in our church, to be part of him bearing a harvest out into our communities and neighborhoods. And that doesn't just mean being good moral Christians. It doesn't just mean behaving ourselves, minding our manners, being better than everyone else. It doesn't mean that at all. It means doing what didn't happen in the previous three kinds of soil. It means that we do push our spiritual roots down deeply. It means being anchored, rooted and established in a living, vital relationship with Jesus Christ and growing in that, pressing into that, allowing more of God's power into our life, more of his presence, more of his spirit, allowing Jesus to become more and more central in our lives over time, growing deeper and deeper, anchored in the living waters of God's grace. And then out of that, this is what Jesus called abiding, out of that abiding in him. Then we see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and we participate with the Holy Spirit in bearing the fruit of virtuous character in our lives. Love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, so on and so forth. But you're not going to get there by your own self-effort. You're not going to get there by your own willpower. This only happens through abiding deeply in Jesus. It's God's desire for our life, that we'd be fruitful Christians, bearing a harvest of righteousness in our lives. So your journey with the story, <clears throat> and maybe the journey is a bit like the never-ending story. We're kind of drawn into this world of the kingdom of heaven. And from within the story, you realize, man, this kingdom looks a lot different to the world that we're living in. Totally different values, totally different priorities, totally different definitions of success and greatness, totally different things that matter. And then what should happen is the parable brings us back out into our ordinary lives. And it leads us to ask, okay, which kind of soil am I? And you've already been asking this, I know, as you've gone through, and you're probably already starting to make some connections, but let me just ask you directly, what kind of soil are you? Which are these four categories? And maybe it's not entirely one or the other. I think you could maybe be in some overlapping spaces, but which type of soil maybe best represents your life? Are you the path? Are you the hard path? And you realize today, maybe for the first time, that, 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 that the word that Jesus has spoken has never really penetrated your heart at a deep level. It's been a head thing, but it's never truly gone in at a deep level. 
And if that's you today, I would love to talk with you, pray with you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. You can decide today to be good soil that allows Jesus to come in and have control and, and, and be the Lord of your life for the first time. Maybe you see yourself as the, as the seed that falls on the rocky ground and you realize today you've got shallow roots. Okay, today's the day by God's grace to say, I want to be deeply planted. I'm not going to be shallow anymore in my faith. I'm not going to be fickle anymore in my faith. Today I'm going to start pushing my roots down deeply so that when that sun starts scorching, and maybe it already is in your life, you don't wither up anymore, but you thrive. Maybe you're the seed among the thorns and you can think of things. Maybe God's just pressing something on your heart right now. You don't even want to hear it, but you know it's true. There's something in your life that's a thorn. Whatever that thing is, you know there's something in your life right now that's choking your faith and it's preventing you from growing. It's preventing you from moving forward. It's just keeping you stuck. It's crowded out your faith. Are you willing today, by God's grace, to ask for his help in dealing with that area of your life? Changing what needs to change, reprioritizing what needs to be reprioritized, doing what needs to be done to weed that thorn out of your life. And if you see God bearing fruit in your life, if you see, hey, I am growing, and I can see up and down and up and down, but I can see that I am growing, fantastic. That's wonderful. Ask God to show you where is that next area, God, that you might be calling me to grow. What is that next area that you might be calling me to fully surrender to you? What is that next area you're wanting me to work on? Keep pressing in, keep growing, keep pushing your roots down deep into the soil of God's grace and faith. And may he make us fruitful, bountiful Christians, producing a harvest in our lives and in our church for his glory and his kingdom. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that you would just press into our hearts that picture of the seed that falls on the good soil. Goes down deeply into that soil and produces a good plant, produces a good crop. That is our desire, Jesus. And whatever is in our lives this morning that's preventing that from happening, we pray, Holy Spirit, that in this moment you'd reveal it to us and you'd show us what you're calling us to do, to make a change, to take a step, to change direction. Father, help us to grow. Lord, we don't want to be stagnant Christians. We don't want to be half-hearted Christians. We don't want to just have this nominal faith, just have a label in our lives. God, we want to grow. We want to be fruitful for you. We want to love you more. We desire more of your power, more of your presence in our life. God, you didn't create us just for this kind of mediocre faith. You created us to thrive. You created us to bear fruit. So God, just we pray that you just plant that desire afresh in us this morning and cause us to grow. God, we want to say this is only by your grace. It's only by your power. Lord, just rob any sense of self-effort and self righteousness away from us God and anyone here who's just felt guilty and condemned as a result of this message Father I pray that you would lift them out of that because that's not what you want for us God but just give us a heart to follow you Lord help us to see hope help us to see a better future than what has been in the past help us to see Lord that in your strength and power we can be the tree that is planted by streams of living water 
who bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, but whatever we do would prosper. Lord, according to your will and by your strength, make us those kinds of trees, make us those kinds of people, make us that kind of church. For your glory we pray. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shore Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shore Community Church, visit www.shore.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shore.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.